You know how I love like full circle moments and just like circles in general. Mm-hmm. Um, well, recently I was asked to be a teacher at the improv theater where we first got our start. Mm-hmm. Like, if 2018 us could see us right now, like they'd be quaking. Right. But like, also we don't expect anything less from a Capricorn stellium. Like you did your freaking research. I mean, yeah. The way I had every performer at that theater's bio on the website memorized. Right. Like I would go to shows and see the same people perform for like months on end and still be like, what's his name, Keely? And you'd be like, name, birthday, college, alma mater, performing history na- parts like troop names that he's a part of and like neighborhood in Baltimore and I was like oh listen, okay. listen. <laughs> it's the Aquarius knowledge mind the Capricorn like need to like do yeah. all the things and succeed in the cancer memory that yeah both excels and the afflicts cancer me memory. often wow. wow 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 that makes a lot of sense no my big three is like literally time Cancer is the past, Capricorn's mm. the present, and Aquarius is the future. Well, I feel I'm like- I'm a time lord. Right. And I feel like Cancer is memory and Capricorn is mastery. Mm. Like Capricorn really wants to understand it thoroughly, like climb that mountain, like have the full circle moment. Huh. Yeah. I mean, Capricorn is that like, reaching the source and summit but remembering every single step that it took to get there that sounds well simultaneously seeing the end that's possible right so it's like linear but it's also cyclical which is literally how my mind works right that sounds tiring I mean yeah that's why I have to make diagrams and spreadsheets about (laughs) things that literally don't need them but did you have a Baltimore improv group spreadsheet or was that just in your mind? Um, that was just in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Justin had the spreadsheet. Right, right. Taken right. care of. Yeah. Um, no, that would have been way too stalkerish, you know. Mm. If it's all just in my mind, then it's legal. <laughs> as, soon as, you, as soon as you write it, then it becomes creepy. <laughs> That's so true. Welcome to the fifth element. A podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. Um, well, today we're talking about something that changed the course of our lives Mm -hmm. um which is improv yeah something I really I feel myself using like every single day like skills that I've learned yes more than I say most things yeah I always say I wish I had been journaling throughout my entire like improv study career Mm -hmm. because the life lessons that come from it are like so they're just so like they make sense Mm -hmm. you know it's nothing like super groundbreaking but it's just like so representative of real life yeah that 
when that's taken out of context of like your everyday relationships or interactions, you're like, oh, duh. Or like, oh, that's so helpful. It really like shifts your mindset a lot. Like other conscious leadership tools I've used or other like self-growth, self-development stuff. I see improv as like the same in the same realm as that, where it literally like wires your brain to think about things differently. You have new tools to use in different social situations. You're, you're mastering new skills in ways that like you go and do like a self-development retreat and hope to get that same like outcome. Totally. And I feel like, you know, we've talked about a lot of helpful tools in terms of like navigating relationships or, um, you know, just stepping into integration, the Enneagram being one of them, astrology obviously being a super potent tool, but they're still kind of like theoretical, whereas improv is like actually putting into practice how to show up in relationships or how to show up authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been the greatest like tangible exercising tool yeah, in my life to, and also to have been studying that alongside finding things like the Enneagram and astrology I mean, there's so much crossover without either intending there to be so. And those intersections are just like so magical to me. Mm -hmm. I literally use it every day with like talking to people, just talking to people and making people feel like comfortable and related to and like creating connection in a room or like connection in a space. I feel like once you do improv or have those skills in your back pocket, you actually realize how much people are lacking basic, this is going to sound mean, but like lacking basic, like conversational and relational skills, like to know how to keep a conversation going with someone that you may not have anything to talk about with is a long, long lost, like art form. I feel. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I like, I think the thing people say is like when they hear I do improv and I'm like, you should do improv because I'm like an improv evangelist because it truly has changed my life mm-hmm. so much. And they're like, oh, I could never do improv. I'm not quick enough. I'm not funny right. enough. Like, right. and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't have to be funny to be, to do good exactly. improv. You have to be a good listener. Yes. And I'm like, if you are a good listener or you're at least willing to be or to learn mm-hmm. how to be, then you will be great. Like it's, <laughs> we've definitely mentioned we've definitely called out stand-ups right. <laughs> in this regard in the past but right, like, right, right, right. you know it's the people who come into improv who are like I'm really funny yeah that's why I'm here that aren't good no 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 because it turns into a one-man show one-woman show and it's like that is entirely antithetical to the principles of improv like improv is about co-creating together it's about trusting your scene partner and trusting yourself that you can show up authentically and build and create something out of out of nothing yeah yeah and people often like ask like oh comedy improv like improv comedy and I think that's funny that that is obviously the association and I'm like yeah I mean it's supposed to be funny it's not we're not up there like making those I mean I guess short form is more of those like punchy like one-liners but I think a lot of people think of that and that's not what I think of when I think of improv like I'm thinking of creating a scene together and listening to each other and connection games and relational games and all of that stuff so I think that yeah people assume that you have to be a really 
funny person with a lot of jokes like in their witty. back pocket. And we thought that. Like we oh, were yeah. freaking out before our first like show being like, what if I don't know what to say? And <laughs> right. it's just when so... we literally we literally made a Facebook group message with my brother who mm-hmm. was like been improvising since middle school. Like this is his thing. And we were like, we like need advice before we go to this like one-off intro to improv right. workshop. <laughs> and he was like, just don't overthink it. It's like, right. uh, have you met us? I know. And that's seriously why I credit improv. I mean, the timing of that first class for both of us. But like, I, that was like a pivotal moment in my spiritual life. Like mm-hmm. my improv teacher, our improv teacher, coach, like, who would have thought he would be like a significant spiritual teacher in my life? But like, not actually, but he was just like sharing the news. Right. But legitimately, like when I think back on times and moments and people and places that have changed my life, like that class shifted everything for me. The workshop or the like 101? The 101. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. we're still like, the women we met in that class, like I, I mean, they've all been on our podcast. They mm-hmm. like, you know, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Just everything that came together. What inspired you to do improv in the first place? We started this journey together. Yeah. I feel like it was the same thing. Like we, well, I feel like it's notable that we both have theater background. Yeah. Um, Which we had been neglecting in the college years. Because we have a college theater scene. <laughs> Not our caliber. Well, and listen, I... Not to... Not to harp on anyone, but, like, I may have, like, auditioned and not been cast in a show there. And so I think that just tells you everything you need to know. That tells you literally everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, not to brag, but, like, I was Belle and Beauty and the Beast in high school. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to be in, like, a Shakespeare play. Like, you're looking at a Disney princess here. I'm... Right. And like I did pop off as Glinda as Correct. if she were a Slytherin to throw Correct. it all the way back. Right. As my memory recalls episode mm-hmm. two of the podcast. Um, yeah. And then to not be cast in something like bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson, which might be like one of the worst <laughs> shows. Um, also, who does that show when Hamilton is that's the thing in its prime who does like, that show when they have glinda and bell walking around campus open for business <laughs> i'd love to know i'd love, I'd love to, know. to know also so, they did one musical every other year yeah right that's it significantly on. explains why the vibes of that campus were a little off <laughs> to the least so yeah um, we did so not we have theater background. <laughs> touch the hallowed halls of Loyola theater, but we did do like choir in, th- in college like that. You know, we were still like musically involved and all of that. And George had right. quite a theatrical spin to the Sunday masses. <laughs> so... right. And as our fateful performance of King Lear last week. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, we kept it alive. Um, I feel like I did a little 
something more in regards to theater, but maybe I'm just thinking of like chapel choir, like retreat, open jam. Right. Where we were just like performing nonstop. Right. Um, It was Jordan Sparks No Air. Correct. Uh (laughs) So yeah, so we have a theater background and like we like real recognizes real. Like (laughs) when you find it and I'm not talking. Okay. Listen, this is a difference between theater background and theater kid because I was not a theater kid. Do you understand this distinction? I I understand this. I had all, I had the recipe for theater kid, but I was also not a theater kid. Like I went to theater sleepaway camp. You know, I did community theater. I did school theater. I did theater classes. Like I, Mm. I did voice lessons. I did, I had all the makings, but I was also not a theater kid. I feel like it's important to make that distinction because I as well did theater camp this is so funny we're like we're not theater kids but like I did theater camp I did like acting camp yeah we like are the epitome of theater kids right now um yeah I like made up plays in my spare time I like casted my sister in musicals that I wrote and like did yeah like acting camp like theater camp whatever whatever but there is a distinction because and please define it because I know people are listening and they're like what else would Okay. Someone. I feel like it's a character trait. Like theater mm-hmm. kids. Ooh, oh, this is really gonna sound bad. Theater kids have to try. Do you agree? Do you agree? Okay. I agree. Okay, because they have to try. They like you can be a theater kid and not be talented. And unfortunately, it's usually the case. And I just say, <laughs> no amount of theater camp can teach you raw talent. <laughs> I'm crying. Like, I The difference remember. between our solo episodes and our guest episodes this season <laughs> is unhinged. Absolutely unhinged. <laughs> Which proves our compensity for theater and acting um, and improv. But like, I'll just give an example. Like, I remember there was this, oh, I really hope like there's in no reality in which she listens to this podcast. So it's fine. But I remember there was this girl who was probably considered like my competitor in, in high school theater, but like she had been, you know, in like acting and voice lessons ever since she was like a kid. And she knew, I think one big difference also is like theater kids know their musicals. Like I remember they're, they're singing like different songs and like quoting different things. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you're quoting. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of like musicals and stuff, but she like knew everything. It was her life. She always wore like the graphic tees of the different like musicals that she saw, you know, the type. But, and she was just like, all that she did was hang out in the theater. Like, I don't think she ever left the theater. And, you know, like contrast it with me. Like I just waltz in and like audition for Belle because my theater director like found me and was like, you should audition for this because I have a yellow dress in the back with your name on it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And so I like get the lead and she got the part of the woman who says, I need six eggs. So 
I don't know if that explains it. But that's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess we are theater kids, but like they weren't the theater kids that I they're not saw. the stereotype. Like, they're not I the stereotype. Fit in. I didn't fit in. <laughs> right. I mean, well, think about it. Like right. it's I mean, justice for Sharpay, you know. Okay. Justice for Sharpay, but also like Sharpay and Ryan, theater kids. Like you, mm, Gabriella, this okay. egg girl. Okay, that's a good point, Keely. That's a good point. If this turns into a yes. musical episode, I will not be mad about it. Um, but that's a great point because I mean, it does it, it it speaks to the lifestyle. Well, that's what I'm saying is like theater kids, it's like theater's their whole life. They live and breathe theater. You and I had other hobbies. And I feel like the difference is too, they're like wanting to be like famous or they, from a young age, they want to be like a star. Like I already knew I was one. (laughs) Okay. I won't go that far. (laughs) I didn't want to be like a singer or anything. Like I, I did have other, like, I always wanted to be a teacher, but I do remember like after bell, everyone was like, okay, so like, are you going to NYU? Like, are you move, like, are you going to do Broadway? Like, are you going to pursue theater? Like dead ass, they were asking me and my parents that, and I'm like, nah, bro. Like I'm, this is like a hobby. Like, this is just fun for me. Right. And right. That's I mean, the that intention was- difference too. For sure. And it was like, you know, I only did two of the musicals at my high school. Because I was like, either I yeah. didn't care to be in the show that they were doing, or I had better things to do that winter. Right. You know, we, like we waltz it, in, what, we take the lead, we go on with our lives. Well, here's my thing: is like I didn't play a lot of leads because I filled in the gaps wherever they were. You mm. know, like the way I played five different roles and was the dance captain in Oz, which is sort of like. It was another time I was in The Wizard of Oz. And, you know, like, because I was an adaptable actress, it's right. because I you were was trusted actress. with quick changes. It an was because actress. I could dance and I was the dance captain despite never having any dance training. You know, Correct. like, it's, it's, you play it's the improv. comedic relief. It's you play the mm-hmm. old woman. It's you play the monkey because you mm-hmm. can make that otherwise forgettable mm-hmm. part shine. Mm. You're, you improvise with what you're given and you master the text. Right. That's why I read the script for Glinda and I said, not going to play this as expected mm. because I see the other people cast in other roles and I can highlight their performances better wow. by playing this differently. Wow. In improviser. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that that's perfect. That brings us to we are living in Baltimore together. Yes. And I am living right next to an improv theater and they have free shows every night and I'm like I've never I never was into like comedy either. Like I never mm. I never really like even was into things like SNL. Like I don't I don't know. I just didn't even really know what improv was but free shows, something to do. Like they, yeah, it just seemed like something fun to do. And yeah, we were also both just in like one of the most stressful times of our lives separately, but like 
it, there was just a lot going on. We had no creative outlet. Mm-hmm. The time was ripe and yeah, free. But I, I didn't even like think of it as a creative outlet. I, I feel like it was more for me, like what you were just saying is I'm freaking stressed and I need like something fun to do. I'm just going to go watch this right. show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it did just start with like, we weren't like, we're going to do improv. We, no, no, no. we just need to like get out of our homes yeah. and like, we were like, let's disassociate through show. comedy. Yeah. Let's check out this free show. And then we were like, what was that? Like, that was literally magic. That was not like a scripted scene, obviously. Like, I don't know what I expected, but I was like, never seen anything like that before in my life. Never before seen. Well, never Exclusive. to be seen again either. Never to be seen again. True. And yeah, of course, I mean, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, of course, like, as I'm saying, not a theater cut, as we're saying, we're not theater kids. Like we see it and like pretty immediately. Yes, we didn't go in saying we need to do this, but like mm-hmm. pretty immediately. I'm like, so I need to be a part of this. First, I feel like first it was like, wow, this is amazing. And then it turned into like, we could never like touch. Yeah, that's true. That, we like, could never do We it. idolized these people. We became groupies. We had a favorite team. We were there okay. every week. Right. We were, that's when my stalking began. And then, um, you're so right. Eventually we were just like, okay, yeah, we like need to do this, but we weren't like, we're going to be amazing at this. <laughs> we were snakes, Keely, because we watched just silently showed up every single night, maybe two nights a week. Yeah. We didn't go. We watched, came to every show. Everyone's like, when are you going to do a workshop? No, no, no. We're waiting until we are literal masters at improv. Like right. <laughs> where we showed up in 101 and we're like, oh, you mean this? And like, we're doing improv. Be just because we've watched it so much, which is like wh- how you get good at improv. But like, right. I think I feel like part of us, yeah, we we were not ones to just watch a show and dive in. Like we wanted to get it. We would sit there and critique as if we had done improv. At least I would. At least at, I mean, as if I had done same. improv. Yeah. I mean, there was me. There was one, and then it got worse. Honestly, when we started studying, because then we like had the verbiage to be able yeah. to like identify different things. Right. I remember like some of our teachers would like look at our faces in the audience and be like, y'all need to fix your faces. Like, no, Emily, really, Emily, this is actually a problem in my life. Um, because I'll be like standing on the sidelines or the back line in an improv show. And afterwards people be like, we always know when it's a scene you don't like because (gasps) your face just tells all. And I'm like, okay, I'm really not trying to be like my face. My entire face is just an involuntary muscle. Like it's just honestly, usually if that's happening, I'm probably just like trying not to like, I'm trying to just try to like think of what initiation I'm going to do next. Like it's me just concentrating. I'm not actually judging. Yeah. But also I can't help it if I am. Um, but when people ask me like, why did you start doing improv? I say, because it terrified me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I remember it that was feeling like, where like, we need to do this. Yeah. And I also remember being in that intro workshop and just like everything the instructor said, he was just like dropping these like casual little nuggets about what improv was. And we would look at each other in this across the circle and we would just be like, "Mm -hmm." we were also like low key deconstructing our faith, which at least I was like, that was a big Mm -hmm. part of it for me of going from rigidity in both who I was and what I believed in and like faith and then improv really opening up this whole new world of, um, not having to be perfect, like, yeah. And like failing and not preparing, like it is very different from theater in the sense that, you know, you can know your script and like 
practice and practice and practice. And I think that's, that was a lot of like my pattern in life is like prepare and practice and like get things really right. And improv just completely shifted that into trusting myself, which you mentioned at the beginning of like, wow, I can just freaking figure it out. And that's now how I live my life. Like literally from those principles of improv of like, just keep building and trusting and listening. And you actually don't need to have it all figured out before you make a move. Yeah. And when you do try to pre-plan, it doesn't go well because again, you're not open to the possibility of adaptation or open to the possibility of integrating mm-hmm. the wisdom and the humor that like your scene partner is bringing. Um, and you, I mean, improv is all about like the comedy comes from the reactions to the reality of yeah. the scene. It doesn't come from telling jokes. It doesn't come from Mm-mm. like, you know, people trying to be funny or whatever. It's you have two different points of view in a scene, which I think also is triggering to a lot of people. Yeah. Because, you know, it we're so like conflict avoidant as yeah. a society. And even, you know, like, what do you always hear about? Like, don't bring up like politics or religion at Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, God forbid you think differently than someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but in improv, in long form improv, which is what we're talking about, as opposed to like short form, which is like shorter little games that you see in like, whose line is it anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, in long form improv, you're, you're doing scene work and you're exploring the relationship between two people. And in game-based improv, more often than not, those two people have two different points of view about the same thing. So for those of us, those of you listening who are familiar with our polarity conversations about astrology, it's like two people with opposite points of view who are like working towards the same goal. Polarity Mm -hmm. is, I mean, uh, like people with two different points of view in improv scenes is the same way. And it's like, but these people always, you don't want to start a scene in conflict because then these people don't have a reason to stick around each other and to Mm -hmm. try to understand each other. And so, you know, whenever I have students who like just come out accusing someone of something, I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. You need a reason to stick around, to not just like abandon your scene partner here. So it's like, pick a relationship where you've known each other for at least six months, you know, be a mother and daughter, be, you know, coworkers, be something concrete and then when, because when you realize, when you have someone in your life who you like really care about, who thinks something totally insane, mm-hmm. you're going to want to try to understand what's behind that. What's mm-hmm. motivating that perspective, that belief, that point of view. And then we can start exploring all the different ways that that affects their life. And it's through that tension, through that like, voice of reasoning it's called that person like pointing out and highlighting how unusual this person's behavior is Mm -hmm. that is where the comedy comes from it comes from the tension it doesn't come from like the ease of telling a joke and someone else laughing at it right totally and so it's simultaneously and the complexity of it yeah exactly and so it's this incredible thing also as an audience member which is probably why we were captivated so soon it's just like kind of like intuiting this, but you know, it's this incredible thing where what happens on stage has never happened before and will mm-hmm. never happen again. It arises organically, magically between two people who trust each other, mm-hmm. like outside of their characters, like to break the fourth, fourth wall, but also like in this scene, they love each other at their core 
And so it's like through the tension of these two people with different points of view, comedy arises. But also then for the audience, it's like the tension of walking, watching two people who seem like they could be on the verge of just fighting at any given moment, but not giving into that. Mm -hmm. And then practicing like active listening and just like this heightening and building together. Like laughter is a release of tension in the body. It's a response Mm -hmm. to like tension or anxiety. So you have like all these like incredible moments of tension that are giving rise to something beautiful and creative and are not the most creative things that come to life in life born out of tension. I mean, like think about birth, Mm -hmm. think about, you know, just like an artist's like creativity and like production of artwork comes from this tension of like seeing something in the mind and like needing to bring it into life in a world where it doesn't already exist. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I'm like out of breath. Like I just like, I'm obsessed with this idea of like tension and its potency for creation. Yeah. And even if you think about like, you know, the world, like the big bang, it's like, as a theory, of course, that would make sense theoretically because it's right. like everything comes from something pressurized. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> and I think that's like thinking back to certain groups that we didn't think were as funny. Like you could definitely see that they were trying not to like offend each other or step on each other's toes in terms of like, oh, if I, like maybe they won't get what I'm doing if I make this big move. So I'll just like play small and we'll have like this Mm -hmm. not so juicy scene where we're just kind of like shopping and I'm doing something weird. And, you know, then you have to like try to make it funny. Whereas, yeah, this like practice of going for it and like trusting that the other person can like hold that really big um, tension is what makes, I guess, people feel like they can make those bold moves and you could definitely tell the charisma of people and their dynamics together. Like if they trusted each other and what their relationships were even like outside of class, like not saying that you can't do improv with strangers. I mean, sometimes that's the best as well, as long as you're on the same page of like, we're going to go for this and create something together. That's like magical. Like there's an unspoken agreement there, but. And that, that comes back to the trust thing, but also you mentioned practice. It's like improv is literally just a practice of presence. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many times I've gone out into a scene, like having thought through exactly what the base reality, the who, the what, and the where like is going to be. And, you know, laying that out and waiting for someone to respond so that I can like push the agenda of the comedy that I was Mm. going to bring into this scene right and like they find something funny just in like the the initial lines and it's like okay well you can't now ignore this new unusual thing that has arisen organically like you was always awkward too watching people like you can tell when they're like oh yeah yeah and so now this other thing that I thought of before like you could literally see that and the other person's just kind of like all right well now we're not on the same page like now we're not playing the same game which is another term that you can explain but it's like that is just a slight lapse of trust that that now everyone can feel because these are human dynamics that like we pick up on we pick up on the subtleties and the body language and the tone of voice like way more than what's being said so when you have two people that are now not on the same page it's literally painful to watch 
At least right. for me. And, and so it's interesting, right? Because in like a level one improv class, or if you know anything about improv, you've probably heard of the phrase, yes, and, which is like the, the core principle mm-hmm. of improv. And, you know, in, in level one, you learn that yes, anding is like agreeing with your scene partner and getting on the same page and like building the same type of energy together. When yeah. you get to like level two or level three, depending on where you're studying, like, and if you study game, you learn, it's, it's interesting because then all of a sudden we introduce these like two different points of view. And so if I'm in a scene with someone and they, um, you know, are like, oh, I like just love eating spaghetti for breakfast or something. This is a dumb example. But then like, I could just ignore that and be like, oh, okay, anyways. So I was at the park the other day. Exactly. That's, that's not that's yes awkward. anding. Right. That's saying no to your scene partner. Your scene partner just offered, made a character choice. They offered you up specifics that are mm-hmm. so, so valuable in a scene and you ignored them and you moved on. Another way right. to say no to someone is just to like undermine everything they're saying by being like, oh, you're just drunk or like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, grandma, she's crazy. Right. Like, yeah, we never say those things, but we but say them then, all the time in real life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But in improv, it doesn't work. And you see just how quickly it doesn't work and how detrimental it is to building a relationship with someone. Because what do you do from there? Now, like the whole thing is just like, you're drunk. Like, that's not funny. No, it's not funny because it's not a core belief that you hold. It's like a circumstantial part of like your life or it's something that's just like already like a prevalent sad thing in the (laughs) world. But anyway, so you know, and then in level one, you learn, like I said, it's like all about yes. And so it's like, oh, I eat spaghetti for breakfast. And then the other person's like, me too. I love spaghetti. Or it's like, yes, you eat spaghetti for breakfast. And so do I. I eat it for lunch and dinner as well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So we have some heightening there. Right. And so, um, like that's great and a great practice. And also just like, so refreshing because you know, like the potency of meeting someone who like you just share so many similarities with, or like you find someone who has the same niche hobby as you, like that is like high vibration. Like, oh my gosh, finally I found someone else like that. Mm -hmm. So that is available to you with like, yes, anding, but then like, yes, and 2.0, like next level graduated level is yes. Anding by having different points of view. So if you say like, I like, I will only eat spaghetti for breakfast. And I say, I point out that that's unusual. I'm like, you, you would only eat spaghetti for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds like I'm saying no to what you're saying, but really I'm highlighting that what you're saying is unusual. So I am acknowledging and affirming your character choice. Mm -hmm. And even though I have a different point of view, I'm still saying yes to what you're saying. Yeah. You're like, all right, we're in this game together. This is the game that we're playing now. Exactly. And so that's game, game based improv. And of course, like a good little Capricorn, I have like a whole document of all of my thoughts and feelings fleshed out. And I wrote true. Yes. Anding looks like voice of reasoning. What is otherwise unusual when we honor the truth that has been established by the base reality. Again, the who, the what, the where. We affirm that what is unusual is important and worthy of exploration. So like pause right there. Like if someone, I do this in my daily life a lot now. Like if someone repeats something several times, it's probably really important to them and they are recognizing that you're not hearing what they're saying and they want Mm. you to hear that. So like as a scene partner, 
in improv and as a scene partner in life, like that person just wants to be heard. So even just repeating what they say and like inquiring further, will give them an opportunity to explain what they're, whatever they're hoping to discuss or how to feel. Um, But again, just like how antithetical to how we navigate life. And especially, you know, we've talked a lot about like grind culture and things like that. Like how often do we just not even have the time or energy to be able to explore topics or what people think about? How often is it just like, oh, that's how you feel. Okay. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, that's how you feel. That's not how I feel. So conversation over. Yeah. Right. So we realize that to ignore what is unusual is to neglect the potential for tension between characters. To love another is to show up in times of tension because you believe understanding them is a worthwhile pursuit. Mm. What we find is that tension is a release which manifests as comedy, like I was saying earlier. But I mean, yeah, like think about all the people you love most in this world. If they said something that was like in conflict with something you believed or thought to be true about them, Mm -hmm. would you just like leave? Mm Mm-hmm. Or would you stick in that, like, would you stay in that conversation, in that tension, in that argument to, like, try to really understand where they're coming from? Do you think that's, like, the biggest personal takeaway, like, personal application to your life that you've had, like, from improv? Like, that idea of conflict and leaning in intention, or is there another tenant that you feel like really changed like how you applied in how you like applied it to your life um I mean I think there's so many things but obviously you know I've like mentioned tension and presence several times just in this conversation so like that's obviously something that sticks out to me I think for me like so much of my life was either people pleasing or like just cutting people who disagree with me out of my life because Mm. it's easier to do that. And I think what improv has offered me is like, it's okay to like one, even just associate with people who think differently than you. You know, when I, before I got to college, it was like, I cut people out of my life who like all of a sudden didn't think the same religious things as I did, or, you know, even throughout a lot of college. Like I remember sitting in an interfaith training Mm -hmm. my sophomore year and like walking out and going into the hallway and calling my mom and like crying hysterically because I was like they're trying they're undermining the truth of the catholic church by telling me that I have to like respect people of other religions right you know like fast forward a couple years guess what I was like doing interfaith work professionally like Mm -hmm. so I think just you know just being open to the possibility of sharing space with someone who thinks differently than you let alone opposite from you, let alone sitting with them and like patiently exploring and and like with compassion and empathy, trying to understand where they're coming from and then using that tension to create something funny and like beautiful and entertaining. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't get clearer, much clearer than that. And, you know, until I started like studying improv, I didn't think there was a difference between tension and conflict. And so when I said, don't start a scene in conflict, guess what? That's totally different than entering into tension in a scene. So tension, because you know, I love a little etymology every season. Tension is an external force that makes a thing stretch. And it comes from the French stretch tight. Whereas conflict is a prolonged disagreement or argument from the Latin struck together. 
So conflict is people fighting in a scene. Guess where that gets us? Nowhere, because it's two people trying to push their own agenda, not trying to be understood by the other person, not trying to hear the other person. It's just like, I know how I want this to end, and I'm just going to follow my thing. Tension is an external force making a thing stretch. So it's like the thing, like we have different points of view, but the thing that is stretching is our relationship, the elasticity of our capacity to understand each other. And so we have that overarching like respect and core intimacy that holds us together and keeps us together despite the fact that we see how far apart we are. We're still one thing. And I think the intimacy of that is like finding intimacy through tension has been the thing that's like a hallmark life changer for me. Mm. Like for me, tension is like a, a game of tug of war, right? Like mm-hmm. you need both sides to be able to play this game. Right. Same thing as like a seesaw or something like you can't accomplish what you want to do or do this thing properly without getting both perspectives. Whereas like conflict is just like taking that rope and like whipping someone else with it. Yeah. Yeah. 